Welcome to the podcast today. Sorry we missed yesterday. Uh, with holidays here, schedules might be a little erratic, but here we are. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling uh, the only word coming to mind right now is jiggly. <laughs> I'm jiggly every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, we got. I got. I got to empty everything out today because I've been sitting on a couple of topics that are like kind of evergreen. And uh, all my work is done. That, that's why we couldn't roll yesterday. I had, I had a lot of work to get done, including we put a cool promotion on the air uh, with some help from Ashley. If you text, and this, this goes for everybody, if you text your prediction uh, for the game on Saturday, and you have to text exactly Michigan or Ohio State, of all the correct answers to Ohio State, we will randomly select one person who texted that. Um, to 419-240-1055 to win New Year's Eve at the Heights and to stay at the hotel for that night. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you, Ashley. Good job, Ashley. So, um, yo, uh, let's, uh, let's leave uh, the murder and grim violence for the end of the pod. <laughs> As I'm watching murder and grim violence at the moment? <laughs> what are you watching? <laughs> There was a, a verdict in the Maude Arbery case, and they just read it off. Oh, so, break the news. Uh, I, don't, I haven't heard it. Oh, yeah. It's it's happening right now. So all three men were found guilty of murder. Mm. There's different levels. So there was nine counts, and like four of them were like malice murder, felonious murder. It, all three of them were guilty of at least one or two or four, all four murder charges. And then they were guilty of all other charges as well. So, so life in prison? It, uh, I believe so for all three of them. Good. Um, not it, like you'll get this and you might have even thought the same thing. It's some solace after the Rittenhouse disaster. You know what? It was solace that we already knew we were going to have. I think like at this one, I don't know. Like it was just like, duh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what did you think was going to happen? So I think what we. No, unfortunately, I did not believe that. But um, in the Maude Arbery case, I knew that it was, you know, that this was relatively cut and dry. I think the only parts that were maybe upsetting is how they went about the defense. Because, again, they were just making a Maude Arbery out to be some dirty black criminal. Like, and I mean, literally dirty. I think they were arguing that he wasn't wearing socks. So he couldn't have been out jogging. And then... Um, just the the comments from the lawyers um it it was it's like it's hard to hear while we know there's racists that live in this world and country it's hard to hear it and see it publicly especially coming from somebody high caliber like a lawyer you know so anyway all right well good yes Um, good since it came out, one quick Rittenhouse thing. I was just texting a friend. Her news station had an interviewer. Had an yeah, had an interview with him. Um, and I said to her, and I've thought this. I can't believe. Did you see Batman Begins? I've seen all of them. I might need assistance in which one you're referring to. But uh, yeah. remember, and this stays within the podcast here. Um, <laughs> And everyone who listens. Well, that's what I mean. Uh, Remember when uh, Joe Chill leaves the courtroom and uh, Bruce has the gun and uh, this woman walks up to him and says, Hey, Chill, Falcone sends his regards. Pop! Oh, yeah. I thought that was going to happen to to that motherfucker. Apparently, he has a squad of people protecting him. 
Oh, he um, will. Yeah, Absolutely. He, I mean, he, he's he going to be a public image. Oh, oh my goodness. He's going to be w- one of the physical representations of like how half of our country believes that what he did was okay. And like they say, I'll have to send you something that I saw the other day. I sent it to Thomas. Like they are idolizing him. Like he, oh, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It's, I, it's sad. Was it the, Vo- was it a Vox article? No, no, it was It's a picture. It's an image. Because I read the Vox article, which I almost felt like passing to you and around. And this guy, he, he put it in great prose. Like, this guy, uh, Kyle Rittenhouse, has become the radical right's wet dream and their mm-hmm. their hero. He did what they all want to do and got mm-hmm. away with it. And it's he it, isn't that uh, I believe it 100 percent. He is the he is a representation of what a lot of people thought and believed. And he's a representation of what taking in um, false information, um, radical information can do to someone. That's that's exactly what it can do. Did you see what I sent you? I think I put my phone on silent. Oh, and he's a perversion of the Second Amendment. Second Amendment. Mm-hmm. Oh, dear God. Mm-hmm. I, and it had gotten like. 10,000 or something or or 30,000 views and people were like commenting on it and loving it and idolizing him and it was just it, I saw it on my Facebook page and I was just shocked that somebody I even follow shared it and was and believed it you know anyway I do want to rip up the constitution and start over <laughs> that's what needs to happen um it do you remember on, on the show and in other times we did the urban dictionary spelling bee yeah. And I would come up with these bizarre words from Urban Dictionary, and I would try to, in a vanilla fashion, since it was on the radio, read the definition, and mm-hmm. they were mostly usually pretty vile and disgusting and sexual. Um, the rest of the people who didn't know about Urban Dictionary um, found it. Have you seen this? No. There's a thing happening, and I think it, it even popped up in like some Facebook trending thing, which I never see. Um People are looking up their name on Urban Dictionary and sharing the definition. And they just think... Oh, I've seen that. They just think they're the coolest and... Yeah, it's a lot of white people. Um, I'm glad you finally (laughs) found Urban Dictionary. You have been sleeping on one of the internet's great sites. And one of my favorite things about Urban Dictionary is that the site is so crude. Like, it's been around for years, and it's still very crude-looking. Like, it's like somebody made it on Netscape Navigator or something, or whatever the original website-building platform was that so many of us used. I, I mean, is it's like Wikipedia. It's like, is it accurate? I don't even trust that it's accurate. It's not. Yeah, it's like, you don't, you can't trust Wikipedia. You can't trust... Half of that shit, I just, I mean, I don't really trust anything unless it's in a book that was created like 50 years ago. And look, Urban Dictionary was initially created to define usually urban slang for people mm-hmm. who wanted to know what these things meant. And then it just evolved where people made things up or um, they evolved from like college vernacular and it mm-hmm. went from there. And then people just started to, to submit random funny shit um <laughs> let me see if i pulled it up let me see if i can find one i think the urban dictionary taught me what a rusty trombone was yeah like like <laughs> if, if you need to know 
what like a certain <laughs> sexual thing is. Like it that you can get accurate. You you can find out what the Cleveland Steamer is on Urban Dictionary. What's the Cleveland Steamer? I'm not gonna. I it would be. <laughs> so like, look, it's like shit like this that that hops in there. The top listing right now, just because somebody might have just added it, Moshe Mignon. It's an adjective, a compound word in French for ugly, cute, often describe animals, people, and or inanimate objects at first glance. when at first glance they appear ugly, but upon further examination are kind of cute. Like a baby. Or somebody, uh, their example is most pugs, BJ Novak, buck teeth. Or newborns. Many. <laughs> most. SMG, a social media ghost, a person who doesn't use social media to communicate. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great site. Uh, I'd like to see their web traffic over the last couple of days. Good for them. Um, Sorry, I'm I should have said this better on the air, but there is a uh, small group of Toledo area students, and unfortunately, they're not able to spend Thanksgiving. With their families. Um, I would trade them, not that I'm near my family, but I could probably pick up a Thanksgiving invite. You gave me one. I would trade locations with them because I'm talking about the UT men's basketball team who are at a tournament in the Bahamas right now. Oh, fuck. I thought you were talking about like some some Toledo TPS kids who are quarantined because cases are so high. Nope. Jesus. Nope, nope, nope. All these early season college basketball tournaments, tournaments that happened in the Bahamas and I, like Aruba and Hawaii. and That's co- so nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess they like play in ballrooms of these hotels. But psh, remember, I'm not a Scrooge. I don't hate the holidays. I hate the weather during them. What do you mean they play in ballrooms? Um, like they open up. Um, they put a court in a ballroom. Yeah, because like it's the, these are small islands that don't have big populations, so like only a couple thousand people will go to the game, and they can fit that in these ballrooms. They set up oh my god um, stands and a court, and yeah, they're actually. I mean, they're kind of neat to see. You see coaches wearing like floral button downs or uh, like like Hawaiian shirts. It, they're kind of neat environments. I'd do that. That I'm jealous. Yeah, yeah. So, trust me, their their Thanksgiving is probably just fine there. I'm pretty sure they're getting a Thanksgiving dinner for missing time with their family. Damn it. Um. What's uh? Where Where's your head at for tonight? What do you mean? Tonight. I'm down. I've I've invited. Yeah, I've, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And you're you're on call, right? Yes, so there will be no alcohol consumed for me, but that's okay. I still have a good time either way. Okay. Um, invited Ashley. Bethany's going to transform into Candace with all her like drink machinations. And all right, I bought some. I did a little shopping today. <laughs> um, a little couple of snacks. Okay. Uh, I invited Josh, and I, I nice. I'm, I'm going to try to make some uh, some buffalo cauliflower. And he's like, "You always make that, I'm like." It's it always comes out good and it's a nice mm-hmm. little snack. So um, I might put the word out to some others, but I know it's last minute. So looking for any any idea yeah. what we should do? Should we just sit around and and talk? I mean, that's usually uh, we entertain ourselves enough. But I, I mean, a game would be fun. But I don't know if I want to do like a really intellectual kind of game. Like let's do something like shady or you know shitty. The uh, the PlayStation Network games, the Jackbox games, where you can be really inappropriate. 
I, I suppose. I guess so. I forget those games. Hey, I'm going to disconnect you because you're on a big time delay, all right? Oh, fine. Let me play something for you until uh, she comes back. This is my friend, uh, Melissa Andrews. Her son uh, sang this this morning on Twitter to get us all in the holiday spirit. We are thankful. We are thankful for our Hi. Welcome families, back. Here, listen. For our families on Thanksgiving Day, you'll hear us say Kitty, thank quit. you, thank you. We are thankful. We are thankful for our friends, for our friends on Thanksgiving Day. You will hear us say thank you, thank you. Whose lovely little snot rocket was that? <laughs> that was Melissa Andrews' son. Oh, how sweet! Yes, yes. Um, that's Rory. Well done, Rory. Thank you for getting us in the holiday Good job, spirit. Rory. Some Thanksgiving song to the tune of uh, Ferris Jaca. I'm, you know, I should try to get my nephews to sing a Thanksgiving song, but it would probably involve poop and booty. I no so problem. I got no problem with that. <laughs> like it would probably be incredibly inappropriate and not suitable for air. Um, no, well, not air, but the podcast. Um, <laughs> I have sent up. A podcast invite along to Jen McCullough. Uh, the Blade did an article with her today. It was Brian Whiteside. She, I believe, is a yoga instructor. And along with uh, oh, nice. Sarah Keir, they have made a mindfulness deck of cards. And it's like a deck of cards and you open it up and it gives you like take a deep breath or hold on to your breath. They're like grounding techniques to help you through any kind of depression or anxiety. And uh, the deck is 25 bucks. I found her on Facebook and um, super helpful. I guess she's using it with school counselors and other kinds of counselors. And I think being able, I think visualizing that stuff is uh, mm-hmm. can be immensely helpful. Yeah, I really like that. That's actually a good idea for us to have in the center. So I might make a purchase. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, that's I, really nice. We're exchanging some messages, so I'll hopefully have her on soon and can can grab some of those. Um, okay, an evergreen topic that I have been sitting on for a couple of days. Um, inflation has been a big topic, right? Right. Um, we have no idea when it'll end. I know the president just released like secret barrels of oil to bring down gas prices. <laughs> um, I, I'm curious to see how people are going about Black Friday and how much shopping gets done. I know unemployment rates are super low right now because some people just aren't looking or they've left jobs. It's, it's a weird world right now. Um, but as we get close to the end of the year... Um, another kind of inflation that has been a slow death over a long period of time, and it was a big discussion several years ago, and then it kind of, I think there were some fixes. Actually, I think the, the, the past president tried to make some adjustments. I don't know if it ever happened. Um, Obamacare is here to stay, but my uh, thankfully, my premiums have remained the same, and my mm-hmm. deductible remains the same for health insurance, but... My copay for specialists is going up $15 to $65. My copay mm-hmm. for doctor's visits is going up from $25 to either $30 or $35. Um, and I am old enough to remember just like 10 years ago, my copays were $10 and $25. So like up like 150%. Now, it's good that they're only copays, so you only have to pay it when, when, when I use it. 
and the premiums as a, like coming out twice a month and deductible. You know, many people have to hit that before things kick in. But um, let's while everything is going on, let's not lose sight of um, in- constantly increasing healthcare costs. And I am somewhat leery while people are are leery of uh, the vaccine efficacy and 5G, and they're going to die and grow a third arm. I'm wondering how these pharmaceutical companies are going to make that money back um, that have given out all these free vaccines, and if that ever comes back around to us. Because healthcare is not getting any less expensive, and for many of us, it's a very, very big cost. You, you simply cannot go without health insurance. And if you do, and you need um, health care, you can't afford it, so you might as well just be dead. Um, it's cheaper that way. So... As we get closer to the end of the year, like this has been this has been stuck in my head because now that I've been going to see another therapist, that's fifty bucks a pop. Now it'll be sixty-five bucks a pop, which is like which is up like what what thirty percent. So uh, a cost that many people haven't discussed recently. But no, it's, not at all. Is is your stuff going up? No, not that I not that I could see. Although, like, if I'm being completely honest, I just haven't really paid that much attention. Um, and I think that that I think that there's going to be a you know, regarding inflation, there's a lot of us that have not noticed and have not paid attention until it's like, I am noticing I'm having a a lot less money in my wallet, like a lot less money in my bank account. I'm getting closer and closer to maybe paycheck to paycheck, if not paycheck to paycheck sooner, you know, and it's like, what is it? And, you know, I like, there was a, a point in time where I went and looked at my balances and I said, wait a minute, I've only gotten gas and groceries. <laughs> like, well, so that's there the it is. Like, that's the stuff. Exactly. So um, I have not taken that extra step to look at my insurance. Um, my I'm I'm used to paying 60 bucks for my specialty specialty um, copay. That's just, you know, what I do. And I don't see my primary care physician as often because I see my specialist more than my primary care physician. So um, I haven't really noticed, I, you know, it's just, I, I know I need to, but I'm, I haven't uh, graduated to that level of maturity that I'm looking at my insurance as well. <laughs> you know, I don't well, know. It is what it is. Don't you get something in like September about open enrollment and you can either right, t- yep. take a, take a class or uh, a quick session to see what changes are, there are this year, um, or do you just ignore those? No, we we no, we we're actually required to be in them. Um, but there, I I don't believe there was any changes because it was really just your open enrollment. You signed into your, you know, you you remained where you were at, so you gave them whatever updates you had within the last twelve months, and then you just say, "I'm going to stay where I am." So um, I don't recall I don't recall them mentioning any changes or requiring us to sit in anything. And I think that might have been because there was not changes. Whereas we did have changes to our 401k, it's actually changing from Alaris to Fidelity. And um, so there was a lot of new information that they were providing for that. So we had like a full blown two hour meeting that was exhausting and a snooze. Cause it's still a foreign language. Like it, re- I just don't, I don't understand it. I think, you know, I envy the people that can hear these things, compartmentalize what they're saying in a way that is organized and then understand it. I just don't get it, you know? So when I, when I was monologuing there before I told you what it was, that it was health insurance, was everything like not even going in one ear? It, it, exactly. I was like, <laughs> damn it, this is not going to be an intelligent conversation amongst two people for our listeners on the podcast because I know nothing. And that's me being completely transparent. I have had health insurance 
via my employer since I was like 20. And I still don't really understand. I mean, I pay what I pay and that's it. Like I know what I have to pay. I know I've had issues with my prescriptions this year. I understand why. Hopefully I won't have issues going forward. Like I think the only thing I do ask every year and I never seem to get a straight answer. So I do attempt to make sure that I understand my insurance. I am somebody that has to see a specialist often, at least four times a year, if not more, based on my need. And I have always asked every year, is there a specific plan for me so I'm not paying out the ass for my specialist? And they always say, nope, it's what you're on. Stay on what you're on. Stay on what you're on. And I and I don't think they understand what I'm saying. <laughs> like, Do you have a plan for somebody who just needs health care coverage just in case? Do you have a plan for someone who needs health care coverage for general maintenance? And do you have a plan for someone who has chronic illness and pain and needs health care coverage all the time? <laughs> you know, then point me in those directions. You can always tap into me. I, uh, I made sure to get ed- educated with this. 2008, 2007, 2008, when I had issues and was going to the doctor mm-hmm. a lot and getting scans mm-hmm. and I wanted to know what kind of bills I was going to get. So you or anybody else can always tap into me and I can help you. What what I found, and at least for like, for like single people like us, um, the options are usually like a co-play, copay plan or like an HSA plan. And the difference is, for the most part, if I had to be real general about it is, do you want to pay... A little bit. Uh, do you want to pay a little bit often throughout the year, or do you want to pay a lot when you have to tap into the care? And for the most part, um, both ways, it's going to probably come out between like twenty-five and thirty-five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of do you want to pay it in chunks or a little bit over the course of the year. I always go with the copay plan um, mm-hmm. rather than the other way because I like being able to call a doctor up and get an appointment, and it's just like twenty-five bucks or whatever it is. Yeah, I think that that's what I do. I do also, I don't have an HSA card, but I do have like a flex, there's an FSA and an HSA, and I believe I have an FSA. So I do have a card that gets, you know, that money goes on to, and that's what I use for my copay. So I don't even use like my own debit card because I use, because I put money into this FSA card. And I can also use that for, um, shampoo and toothpaste and you know tampons and all sorts of stuff so I can use it for any of those things I do know that so I know some things but it is still like absolutely I was not going to say it but obviously you know me well enough to know that you were your intro was just like I was oh shitting myself like oh damn (laughs) I don't know this part of the conversation and it's a shame but I don't think I'm unlike many people you know no, I figured I'd bring it up because a lot of percentages are being thrown thrown around these days with inflation, unemployment, mm-hmm. and, and all that stuff. And I was, as we get closer to a, a new year and change of health insurance, and I was like, "Wow! Like not that long ago, ten years, my copay to go to the doctor was ten bucks. Now it's tw- now it's twenty five. It'll go. Up. That's you know, it's like a it's like a hundred fifty percent increase, and that's crazy. So yeah, um, yeah, it costs a lot to live." It, you know, and it, like, again, I have not, and I, I'm transparent about this also, I am still in the phase of life where um, obviously I go to the doctor when I need to, but I'm going to the doctor less because I cannot afford the exploratory MRI or ultrasound. Like 
you know, up, oh, something's wrong with you. So let's get you to an ultrasound up. Oh, the ultrasound didn't figure it out. So we're going to get you a scan up. Oh, the scan didn't show anything. So we're going to do significant blood work and you have to pay for that every step of the way. And if you don't pay it in time, the hospital sends your ass to collections. Like even if you're paying, a, paying it over time, like I ran into that issue where I was paying off my surgery and I was paying what I could and I wasn't paying off the balance fast enough. So they sent me to collections and I'm just like, what the fuck? <laughs> you and, know what I mean? And then there's the times where you're improperly or incorrectly billed because a zero should have been an eight and... Also, I will offer my services. If you want me to call your medical billing place, just give me the number and I will be your, your advocate because with all the shit I went through long ago, mm -hmm. I know how to deal with these people. I usually know what the problem is and thankfully, nine times out of ten, somebody put a code incorrectly. That's why whenever I hear like somebody's going to school for medical coding or medical billing or that they do that for a living... Mm -hmm. I have great scorn for them. Yeah, I, I just, you know, good good luck to them. You got to be a strong person. I just, you know, and again, it's no, just not something. And I work in healthcare. <laughs> like, you, you just have to know the difference between certain numbers and letters. Like, that's not a B. That's a, that needs to be an 8. And now you've cost me $378 and a small heart attack because you incorrectly put the code in and billed me. F you. You know, that's, that's true. Like I said, I've worked in healthcare almost all my life and... When I was younger, I've never been diagnosed like dyslexic or ADHD or anything of that nature. But I did work in like m the medical records room and I would like consistently misfile things. And the things that I would misfile were related to like s reversing of numbers. So like, um, oh God, what were some of the sixes? My, I would put like a nine where a six is supposed to be and a six where a nine is supposed to be. And like something with the number five and... I would just switch the numbers all the time, so much so that like my partner in the medical record room, she got used to it. So if she couldn't find something, she would go to the opposite and find it. <laughs> like, Did you uh, I was also very stressed and depressed all at the same time. So you ever there was that some, too. Somebody's records where some poor patient was told that they have cancer because you in, you missed a five for a seven or something. No, but it was in the cancer institute that I worked in the medical records room. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's before medical records were electronic. So uh -huh. it was like you were in a record room constantly dealing with paperwork and filing. And it was just a nightmare and I hated it and I was really bad at it. So sorry. Um, all right. Over to uh, death and killing murders, hmm. mostly here in Toledo. And for the bazillionth time, um, this is happening in cities all over. And it is mostly because of the pandemic. It put people who were already in a vice and squeezed it even tighter. When that happens, everybody gets really nihilistic, stops caring, yeah. things are hopeless, and they don't give anything about consequences. Um, there may have been some irresponsible posts from certain local news media the other day stoking things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess city council uh, just brought this up in session yesterday. There was a good article in The Blade um, and I think we're now up to, like, we're over the record for the year. Um, but also many of these recently have not been solved or we've not heard anything that they're close to being solved. It's that, that's the, the real scary part. I mean, it's scary that, that all these shootings are happening, but when the police can't get a beat on what, who, why, 
it's it's right. a real issue. Um, let me go over to Councilman John Hobbs, and I'm going to pick this article apart here. Uh, there are people in the community that know exactly what's going on, who's doing the shooting, know who's doing the crime, and are unwilling to open their mouth and say anything. We want to put it all. We want to put it all on these people versus ourselves. Um, I remember uh, uh, Hassan, my friend, my former neighbor. I've mentioned this many times. When this was years ago, I was like, "Dude, how come this happens?" He's like, "People don't want to talk. Uh, they don't want to be snitches." And I agree with uh, Councilman Hobbs here, and we talked about this a little bit. Yesterday, there's only so much that the police can do, and we both agree that over-policing these areas is not a great idea. Um, the community, as dangerous and as scary as it could be, because you don't want older people in the community telling 20-somethings with violent tempers and guns that they have to knock it off, but collectively maybe they can do that. You don't want these things turning into neighborhood shootouts. But, yeah, it's time to push things back on the community a little bit. I'm glad Mr. Hobbs said this. I, I don't know, actually. I, I, I'm, I might be the opposite. When I saw that, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, you know, I'm not saying that the responsibility falls all on one person or, like, one group, i.e. city council. But I think that, like, they're the ones that are living in this neighborhood. And maybe they're your city council members, too. Like, you know, I'm not saying that they're not making these comments without actually being invested in those neighborhoods as well. But you're asking a lot for pe- from people living in that neighborhood and a lot of times just living to survive um, and to make sure that their families survive and their children survive and live long lives. I don't necessarily know if that is a good solution. I think that there's a component of it that, yes, you know, encouraging people to come up and to come out and and say things. But you would have to then trust the police. You would have to put a lot of trust in our like law enforcement and our ability to make sure that what I'm telling you, if I have information and I'm giving you information that you are going to do with it, you're going to protect me at the same time. And I don't know if that trust is there. I do think that there's a component of like people do need to come forward and to speak up in the ways that they can. But at the same time, like asking them, you know, putting it on them and like, y'all need to start saying something. It's it's not that easy. And I don't think that that's ever going to be a solution. I don't disagree, but there are no other solutions at this point in time other than other than what I honestly think that that, that we just have to do. Wait, COVID out. And things will get yeah. back. Things will get back, but nobody wants to do that because that's waiting. And in the meantime, people are dying. Um, but that's, that, that's how I felt, and I think I probably have said that once this scourge began to arise all over the country. You just gotta wait it out. You just gotta wait it out. Yeah, and I mean, and there's just it, like the, I don't know if it. I find it to be a little bit of a delusion that it is all in our control. It's not. You yeah. know, it's not. You can you know, get rid of the guns, change the laws. And this is on a large, on a macro level, but you're still going to get people who go and get them, who who have possession of them and they shouldn't, and they're still going to hurt people. So, I mean, you, you do, um, it is out of our control in so many ways. And yes, like, I, I do think that a pandemic made, made the hopelessness, the hopelessness that some people were living in 10 times worse. Um, but I don't know if, you know, having the people around them to be the ones to snitch on them. And I'm not, I hate to say it like that, you know, because that, that's perpetuating like you're snitching, like you, you're really doing what's best for you, your family and the community. But at the same time, like there's a certain amount of safety that I, like I get it. I get it 100 percent. 
Uh, he had some other quotes here. Um, I promise you that had a white man done any of these shootings, had a police officer shot someone, had a white police officer shot anyone in our community, there would have been camera phones everywhere. But because it's black on black, nobody's saying a word. Where's mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter? Because nobody's white, nobody white doing it. Uh, they didn't show up. If my life matters, then my life must matter no matter who takes my life. Um, he's I mean, not wrong. We, we, no, he's not. And, and we care... Um, because you and I are, and we, we talk about these things, we care about our community. You're close to them in many ways, um, mm-hmm. but no, this is this is the same. That's the same re- accurate rhetoric that's been forever. Like, why a lot of people outside of those communities just don't pay attention to it? It's like black pe- black people are just shooting other black people, and that's why I say. But I completely agree that it is dangerous, as I've already said, and you have more thoroughly illustrated. The black people got to stop it too, right? Because you're not getting me to go into these neighborhoods going, all right, guys, we just got to knock this off. Right. No, that's not going to make a difference. And, and it is, um, no offense, <laughs> like, it's not going to make a difference if I go into the neighborhoods and say, like, what are you doing? Why are we doing this? Like, stop doing this. Or if I, like, engage with a young girl who's in the neighborhood, who's dating somebody who's into the crime, like, what 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 are we doing supporting this person? Like, let's try to support him in changing his life. You know, let's try to help him find a career. Let's try to help him make a difference in the world. I, I mean, maybe, but, I, but I've always said, like, Toledo is not big. And there's, you can drive 10 minutes either way and be anywhere in the the vicinity of some of these neighborhoods that are experiencing this crime, that shooting, that drive-by shooting was at on South Detroit, like off, but in Beverly, was it not? Like, yeah, yeah, essentially, you know, so it's, it's your, we all should be invested in this. And, um, I don't, I don't know what a sol- the solution is going to be, but, um, well, we talked about the solution and it's in some of this article. Um, how do how do you get, how do you get black on black crime to stop? Simple. Give them hope. Education. Give them hope. Invest mm-hmm. in the neighborhoods. It's unfortunately, it's not going to end it in six weeks. Um, mm-hmm. And we've talked about this and we have both lauded like what the city parks are trying to do over the summer, where a bunch of this $180 million is going to go. And this article gets into that. Some of the council people, you know, say about start spending that money. Well, we're not going to do that right now. Like this is over the course of, of time. And there are some really good ideas so that what's ha- what we're talking about now isn't such a scourge in 2026. Mm-hmm. And some of these neighborhoods have come, you know, 180 degrees and we just, our jaws hit the floor because we've come so far. Not only is there half as few murders as there is now, but there's, a, there's even half of that and people are thriving and they're surviving and thriving and making good things out of life. It just ain't happening I- overnight. I, I want so badly and I hope that we can have that conversation with Jawan because I'm curious what the um, violence inter- interrupters, um, you know, I, I would love for them to have some counseling techniques there because like when I'm engaging with somebody that's that's participating in destructive behaviors, they don't always want to do that. That's not what they want to do. And so I look at someone and I say, you know, if you woke up tomorrow and this is the there's a name for this question and I ha- I'd have to find it. But my one of my teachers taught me this when I was in school and they said, if you woke up tomorrow and everything was what you wanted, you, you had everything you wanted for you to be happy. Everything was as you wanted it to be. Your goals were met. Your aspirations were met. What would your life look like? And that's how you can find like what you're truly searching for. It's not crime. It's not, 
you know, stealing. It's not violence. Like maybe it's, maybe it does involve money. Maybe it involves a house with a yard and a pool. Maybe it involves a job that you go to that you enjoy. Okay, then let's find you those things. Like let's find you that. We need to do that on a large scale. There's hopelessness, but what does hope look like for these people? Let's not make that decision for them by incorporating programs that aren't going to make a difference because nobody wants it. What does hope look like for these individuals in these neighborhoods? How can we help them find that? And then how can we help them get to it? And not in a, okay, here's your chance. Some people really do need to be their hand to be held and you need to walk with them every step of the way. The money's there. Uh, there was a yeah. blank check and it seems like it's going to be spent in good areas as the city did take feedback from people in these communities And as long as it's spent in the directions that they wanted and the city has seemingly abided by, I think we'll get in the right direction. Um, I hope. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think so. It's it's just not like we're not just going to go into like the junction neighborhood and go, all right, we need like uh, like 50,000 bucks. All right. We'll get this up and going Monday. Like it's just not happening. You know, I I think that like Toledo does have potential because, again, we're not a large city, so we we do have potential. We're not unlike everyone else, but we can make a difference. Um, I think we have a lot of people who care. I think the you'll do better in Toledo. I think we need to extend that message out to all parts of the neighborhood. And I think we need the neighborhood to believe it and, and see it and trust it. But they're not going to do that until they see the same kind of investment being brought into them. You know, I think of Diana Patton when um, um, Solheim Cup was in town and Diana was out in the neighborhoods helping to clean it up. You know what I mean? Like literally physically saying, all right, I'm down here at this block cleaning up some of the trash in these neighborhoods. Who's going to come meet me? You know, who's going to come down here? You know, because Solheim Cup was in Toledo and it's like, you'll do better in Toledo. Like, of course, we have this large event in Toledo, but we put into these neighborhoods too. Like you also matter. We need a lot more Dianas, and uh, a thing keeps popping up in my head, which I so closely associate with Chicago, where there is a, a, a massive issue right now. That that might be the the bullseye, yeah, and the heartbeat of all Ground these. Ground zero. Yeah, that's thank you for thank you for for that phrase for everything that's happening in every city, Philadelphia, here, other cities, um, and they have aldermen there. You're familiar with that, right? Uh, the store. No, all D. No. No, Alderman. Uh, no. They're like local neighborhoods. I don't think they, they're not like religious leaders. They're not politics. They're kind of like neighborhood ambassadors. Oh, uh, interesting. They're loosely elected and they speak for the neighborhood, like their neighborhood elders. And because I can't speak of any of these people, um, I don't. I don't have any examples, but... That's what I guess has worked in Chicago, or it did, or maybe it didn't. But whatever you want to call them, like the Diana Pattons, even though Diana does not, I don't think Diana lives in any of these neighborhoods, Mm -hmm. but she can certainly go into them and talk about her RISE program. Um, But those types are the people that we talked about at the beginning of this discussion. Um, who The people who command respect in these neighborhoods, the guy that runs the Frederick Douglass Center. Um, but I get it. It's dangerous for some of these people to reach out to these people who the opposite of having everything, they have nothing. So they're not they're they're willing to put a gun in the face of anyone in the neighborhood. Yeah. Um, one last part of this that jumped out to me. And this is just a politician being doing politician things. 
Um, they grabbed a, a quote from Sam Meldon, Sam's mm. friend. Um, mm-hmm. He shared his concern with the relaxing of state gun laws, the Ohio House passing a bill that would allow the concealed carry of a handgun without a permit. From what I've read of this, is basically like I can get a gun very easily, and mm-hmm. yeah, that that sounds terrible. We live in a country where we have more guns than human beings, and we live in a state where, with a state house that's trying to let you carry a gun anywhere you want at any given point. Uh, that's real. That's the real dynamics that are at play here. I think Sam was just trying to make a, a political point and one that we need because I yeah. disagree. Like, let's not expand gun ownership, the ease of having a gun, where you can carry it in this state. It's already very liberal in that way. Uh, it's already lax in that way as it is. But I don't think that problem that Sam is speaking about is an issue in these neighborhoods. To your point earlier... Um, no one in these neighborhoods is like, well, it's a lot easier to get a gun now. I should get one. These people aren't getting guns legally anyway. These people are likely uh, emblematic of those who say, well, if you take away, if you make guns illegal, illegal, the bad guys are still going to have them. I think it's the bad guys in these neighborhoods who are, you know, who we're talking about right now committing these murders. They are not going to buy more guns because it's a lot easier. Would you, uh, would you agree with that? I would agree and I would disagree. I agree with what Sam is saying. I was very disappointed to hear that we are making it now easier for people to walk around with a gun. Like, you know, let alone making it easier for them to purchase one. But now we're making it easier and safer for them to conceal it and actually be able to carry it outside of their home. It's one thing to be a gun owner. And we just had this conversation. My family had this conversation. It's one thing to be a gun owner for the sake for the sake of your family and your home protection it's another to be carrying it outside of your home and allowing people to do that more freely is not going to be great like i really do and i know that he would be willing but we should have thomas on here to talk about this because thomas is a gun owner he is someone with a concealed carry permit but he's one of the most responsible gun owner, owners i've ever met like it's it's comforting to know that people like him and people in his life exist that that carry responsibly and don't believe in stuff like this um but in these neighborhoods i think they are buying these guns legally i mean i think of how many times the lines the hours people were waiting to purchase guns at towers armory um they were going up into michigan like people are buying them legally because it's pretty easy to get one it's the permit part the the part of taking it outside of your home into your car and then like doing a drive-by or what have you. Those are the parts where it's being done illegally and you're going to find lots of charges. It's not going to make a difference though. Like, you know, unfortunately it's just, it's a lifestyle and it's not a lifestyle that people are willing to let go of without like reasonable, like without something really intriguing as, as an alternative. And there's probably a trickle down as well. If it's easier to get guns and permits and blah, 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 that's going to put more of them out there and more of them out there, you know, can wind up in the hands of bad guys, um, bad people who will commit these crimes just because there's more volume out there. Maybe somebody sells a gun because they've got too many and then that person knows somebody else. And pandemic stuff because they're they're a commodity and you can sell these mm-hmm. things out there. And mm-hmm. also, um, some people have mentioned this when it comes to the scourge and increase of violence and murder that's happening across the country and the world. Um, at least in this, well, especially in this country, I know gun owners, like people went out and bought tons of guns and I would guess mm-hmm. it's mostly white people. Um, <laughs> like gun loving. You white, don't say. <laughs> gun loving white people. And I don't 
have the statistics or data, but I'm I'm gonna I think it's pretty accurate to say that there was a gun buying splurge um, from last March till now because people were concerned about what's gonna happen as the the world might end. I need to protect myself, and if you, again if you put more of those out in the market. Inevitably, they're going to wind up in the hands of the wrong people, and maybe That's exactly right. Maybe Carl bought that gun because he was concerned for his family as the world was upside down, and then Carl decided to sell that gun to sell it, to some, and that person sold it to somebody else. And maybe that gun was used to shoot that poor fourteen-year-old kid the other day, just because there oh. were so many of those guns out there in, in, on the streets. And at the same time, and it, I don't, it's not being discussed as as often because I think that the the significant challenge is what's happening in the in these neighborhoods. Um, but Carl's buying a gun. Carl gets himself a permit, and then Carl has his gun with him at all times. Carl gets into a road rage incident and decides he's just going to shoot that person because he's got his gun on him, you know. Or, um, you know, Carl gets into a fight out in, in the parking lot and decides to pull out his gun and shoot someone. So he brings a gun to a knife fight or to a fist fight specifically. So you're going to see more of that happening also. Like it's just and that was what I was concerned with when we were talking about this on the pod. You know, when we when the show went, you know, ended and we had to kind of come to our prospective homes and we were podcasting. And I'm like, I've, I literally waited in line and there was no you know, we were going for a gun part, not an actual gun because we freaking have enough. Okay, there will be no new ones purchased in this home. Um, Don't let Thomas hear that. But um, there was no ammo. There was no guns. There was nothing. The lines were hours long. And it was and it was ridiculous. And it's like it concerned me how many people now had guns in their hands that don't even live in these neighborhoods. They live in uh, where you live. You know, they live on off McCord, Holland, Sylvania. And now they're carrying it around with them. Open carrying. Like some people just have this shit on their pocket and they're on their belt, like out in the open, like just how many uneducated people it's, Oh, it's so frustrating. And that's the thing that's just scare people like me and many of the people that listen to this podcast. Like, cause you're right. Um, that vice squeezes on those people as, as well. Uh, although mm-hmm. for the theme of this discussion, it was more about the, uh, lesser neighborhoods in the city where these murders are happening. But you're right. We've already seen, like, we heard that one shooting. Remember when we had dinner at uh, Condado? Yeah. (laughs) So I I had left, but that happened shortly after I left. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then we, mom and I were at Manhattan's um, and Thomas, I think was in the bathroom or something. And there was a shooting and then mom thought it was fireworks because it was like in July ish. And she's like, oh, no, it's just fireworks. And then just TPD just flies down the street. And I'm like, yeah, that was not fireworks, Mom. <laughs> like, you know, in the middle of the day. There was one in the on middle the of the day. Central and McCord. I, I think Bethany and I were podcasting it. It was, in the, it was this year in the springtime, I think. And I had a traffic situation I was sharing on the air. It was like Central and McCord. Yep. And I think that person, like... It was a road rage incident, and a gun got pulled, and I think somebody died, and I actually wound up thinking... I was on with you for that. Where are you? Okay. Yeah. I, I think Bethany had told us that it was a shooting, um, yeah. and I think the guy that actually did the shooting was act, may, may have actually been in the right. But, yeah, to your point, as we've stretched out this issue of guns and violence, like this is the stuff that we have to be more concerned about, because even if there's like a 5% increase of people who have those guns... There is a large increase of tension and stress on those people. And that 5% is going to lead to issues that mm. we didn't have before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, yeah, I'll see you tonight. 
<laughs> what a way to end the conversation. Well, yeah, I mean, I think we, we stretched all that out. And I mean, it sucks that we have to just kind of throw our hands up. And it's, yeah. I think we're both irritated with the blame and pointing mm-hmm. fingers. And like, it's just not going to, I'm glad you seemingly kind of agree that once COVID ends, which is still going to be a couple of years, this will go back to the levels that it was. But it ain't ending right now, and I hate to see people getting more angry than they already are. Yeah, and I think and I think the the blame game is not going to make it's not going to entice the folks in those neighborhoods who can make the difference. It's not going to entice them to step up and do it. You yeah. know, it, I, that's that's the unfortunate part. I think the 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 blame game being put on Jawan and his team like it and just like well what are they doing and it's like he just got here you know so it's just it anyway uh, the back and forth which is um on par for for 2021 and just the world that we live in is not going to help so i have i have more confidence that the levels of murder and violence will dissipate back to their norms than i do uh Prices and inflation will go back down to where it was because with that stuff, people and companies are making money that mm-hmm. that they weren't before, and they're less likely to give that money up yeah, rather than people's lives being a little bit less stressed and them less willing to kill someone or take a life. So that's true. That's true. All right. Um, I'll see you tonight. Yeah, 7 o'clock. Uh, whenever. I'll probably be home a little bit after 6. All right. Bye-bye. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> Bye.